You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello and welcome to the Mom Halo podcast series hosted by yours truly, Alana K. Fitz. And today I have the one and only, the spectacular, <laughs> I'm not going to, okay, I'll let her introduce herself. Welcome, Connie Houston. Woo! Hi, Connie. Thanks, sir. Hi, Alana. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Connie Houston, and I call myself a playroom consultant, and I help families create intentional, organized spaces that encourage lots of play and help control the toy clutter. But it all comes from my previous work experience as a elementary school teacher. Most of my time was in kindergarten with the Toronto School Board, as well as grade three, so all primary classes that uh, we understand those age kids learn best through play and we want to offer them lots of play in the school, but there's also ways that we can apply it into our own home to uh, encourage more play and creativity. And I really support that our home is the best place to be offering those things. So we might talk about that a bit today. Uh, my own kids are 10 and seven, two girls. So I used uh, all of my teaching experience and all the uh, ways I offered play and creativity in our home. And um, yeah, happy to talk about play and raising kids with lots of great early learning experiences. So guys, you have to understand, Connie, Connie came into my ecosystem a few years ago and we she orbited my house and she schooled me like People don't know how to play. It's not something you come out of the, the motherhood labor and delivery department and they're like, here's a book on how to like play with your kid. It's not something that's inherent. It is something you learn. And why I think this podcast is so important is often first time parents or young moms learn to do play with their kids by modeling friends who do those things in play dates. And it's not happening. So people don't know how because of COVID People are really not in each other's homes the way that they once were. Um, there's sort of been obviously a huge like dimming of the playdate mentality, um, sleepover parties, birthday parties. So kids are not um, in each other's homes. So even if you see a mother who's um, or a family whose household is set up with kids who are maybe a little bit of an older vintage, people are not even seeing it. So they don't even know what to do and why that matters. And um, it's crucial. So. When Connie first came into my world, she did some playroom consulting to me. It was the first time I've ever heard of a playroom consultant. She might be the only person I know who does that. Um, let's talk about play and then let's talk about toys. Why does play matter at home, Connie? So I think everyone knows in general, like kids need play to learn, right? But what does that really mean, right? And this is kind of the bigger picture is that as a kindergarten teacher, 
Um, and then we just hear in general, like our society, our kids are not getting enough playtime, but people, you send your kid off to daycare or kindergarten. It's like, oh, you're playing all day. But the reality is it's a super structured day that has a lot of transitions and it's chunks of playtime, but it's also like navigating the snacks and outdoor play and transitions to the library and the gym. So they're not getting as much play as they actually and 45 need. minutes to put on snowsuits for 25 kids. Oh my goodness. Yes. The day goes so fast. It's so full. It's so stimulating. So, but just focusing on play, this is how our kids are taking information from what happens in their life and processing it and getting control over it. So you, so many parents say like, Oh, it's so cute. Like I hear my kids saying things that, that we say and like acting out, uh, the parent getting ready for work or um, one of my favorite obvious examples is the kid that like was upset about having to go get the vaccine and a needle from the doctor, but then comes home and all yes. of a sudden is playing doctor themselves and giving yes. a needle to their stuffed animal. Like they're taking that control over right. their situation, processing it, making sense of it. And kids just need that time to do it. And um, what I think I really want parents to understand is like, there's so many amazing extracurricular activities that people like to put their kids in hockey and swimming and well, pre pandemic. And, um, that's actually one of the most valuable things for your child's like development and well-being, and, um, is giving them just time and space at home to be able to play and process life and learn what their interests are and gain the confidence to try things out and realize that they can make things happen. Yes. So it's so big. It's so big. And I think what's interesting is that for pre-pandemic, which is now like this, you know, will be written in the history books and our children will probably talk about how they grew up in the pandemic and how that you know, just the way that other people talk about depression or for my tradition, like people growing up, you know, um, as Holocaust survivors, like it is such a formative moment, um, you know, in their in their life and stage. And I sort of came into parenthood with outsourcing a lot, right? Outsourcing the Sundays to a play gym, outsourcing the extracurricular, really relying on the grandparents to play, you know, because they know how. And none of that is happening. So can you give me then examples of play-based learning. What is play-based learning? Well, and, and something I want parents to, to be able to see with my help too is like, I don't want parents spending hours looking at ideas online for like uh, invitations to set up and materials to cut out and put together. And then like that is not necessary. And it's, my work is about just setting up an environment to encourage play and make it easy for kids to find and choose things, which comes from all of the uh, play-based learning strategies we use in a kindergarten classroom. So yes. that means that the environment is set up so things are organized and easy to see, but then we also think about our learning centers in a kindergarten classroom. And then that's usually how I'm walking through the playroom consults. It's like, okay, we want to offer opportunities for creating things. So let's make sure the art materials are in a place. And we want to yes. make sure kids are practicing their social skills. And um, we're going to have a drama center that might have your play kitchen and some dress up. Um, uh, let's throw a cash register in there so that they learn, they have numbers in their environment. Like it's yeah. super simple things of just exposing kids to numbers and letters and words and make sure that there's a building toy so that they're getting those fine motor skills and understanding the spatial awareness and just by offering things in the environment to encourage that play. So um, 
that's like we have our math center, which means that there's there's pattern blocks and shapes that they're interacting with. So yeah, it's like the kids are playing with the materials and those materials were intentionally put there and understood to encourage certain play that they're learning through that play. I love that so much. And you really did. It was an aha moment for me as a parent, because I was just entering that age and stage where those things mattered and I needed that in my space. So I'm finding myself crawling my toys or organizing based on Connie's principles. Let's go through your principles a bit, Connie. Um, And you really talk about independent play. And that's really awesome because for so many pandemic families and families with young kids, parents are shackled to the yoke of just being the toy, of being the entertainer. And it's this obsession with, I don't want screen time, so I have to be the person who engages. But you are a big proponent of independent play. So let's talk about it. Uh, Five tips to encourage more independent play. Number one, give your child 10 minutes of the full undivided attention before you want them to play on their own. Go for it. Let's, Let's dive into it. Go. Yes. So the idea is if we want our kids to be doing something on their own, they have to just be filled up with that attention from you ahead of time. Because so often if you're saying like, go play, go play, the kid just doesn't feel like they've had enough of your attention yet. So that's why they're following you around and trying to get you to help out. So um, by starting it off and making sure they're all filled up with your full on attention, and it can be as simple as 10 minutes a day. And that was one of like the key parenting lessons I learned from a early workshop I did with my young kids through the earlier center was so much negative behavior is managed just by making sure you're giving this 10 minutes of undivided yes. attention. It's like yes. amazing. And that means your child is leading the play or the activity. It it can be as simple as they are playing, but you're sitting right there and staring at them and letting them know you're interested in what they're doing and narrating what they're doing. Sometimes like it takes practice, but it really um, can be like, Oh, you're moving the car back and forth. And I like how you've knocked that structure down and you're trying again to get it to, to stand up. Like you're figuring it out on your own. So just like that, clear the the kids and you know it when we look at our phone in front of your kids they usually are very quickly trying to get your attention because they just know that you aren't looking at them so just giving them that 10 minutes at the beginning is going to get them set up to be then feeling full of your love and attention and they're ready to do something on their own next yeah I find it so interesting you say that Connie I find you know pre-pandemic or even like when the pandemic was ebbing and flowing when my kids saw their aunts and uncles, for instance, and those play moments, they were so engaged because those aunts and uncles were so engaged with them because they're not looking at their phone, right? They're not in the, they're not, they don't experience those interactions in a way where like, they feel like, you know, a lot of parents I've heard them talk to, talk about, you know, some moments of this, like people love their kids. Don't get me wrong, but like very like a prison day or a groundhog day. Oh, okay. Okay. Come. Sorry. Henry's here. This is just what it is. Henry, say hi. What? One second. Um, ah. Hi. Hi. So what, you know, when somebody else is there and they're interacting without their phone, right, it really does make a difference because that is what engaged play is. So that 10 minutes a day really does matter. And I, I learned that from you and I've heard it so much in my parenting journey. That's something I try to really do. Um, let's talk about independent play. What does that actually mean? It means a kid is quite literally playing by themselves. Talk about that and why that matters. Yeah. So this is when our the kids are using their imagination and their ideas. But one of the key things I need everyone to understand is that 
like my kids are 10 and seven and they can go for an hour of like playing in the basement and building something or they're, they're into Barbies right now. So at 10 and seven, they very easily know how to find things and spend long stretches of time, but you don't expect that when they're three, but you understand that this is what you're working towards that you're going to have kids that don't rely on screens to entertain them, that know how to come up with ways to play, and you're practicing it right from the beginning so that you're going to have short amounts of time initially, and it's going to turn into having a super creative kid that plays great on their own and can feel bored and come up with ways to entertain and feel good and in have their hobbies and interests, right? So it's a long game. But initially that means, yeah, you're giving your kids that full attention and then you're you're setting them up with um, suggestions too to get them started because um, some people say like, oh, don't interfere at all with the play. And it's not about like telling them what to do, but just reminding them. And that's how we're using the environment too, is that you can see all of your toys. They're all organized that you know where things are and you can give them that little um, initial step of just like, okay, we've had our play together. I'm going to uh, get dinner ready. And also being within view helps your child stick to that independent play too, because they just know they're not alone. You're nearby, but they can then go into their own world and experience that flow. I was going to say your next tip I was going to get at was tell them the plan. Yeah. So this is the next, and this is what you're literally saying. Hey guys, I need to work, cook, do my thing for 30 minutes. I'm going to be right here, but when I'm done, we'll do this thing together. You literally say puzzle, color, build a castle. So this is exactly what you're talking about. Fill them in. Yeah. Include them in the plan. Yeah, for sure. And then they know like, exactly what's going to happen and what's going to be happening next. And it's their time to do what they want with their favorite blocks or toys. Um, And if there's, when you have a kid that's stuck initially, like, I don't know what to play right now, you can give them a couple ideas of things that, you know, they enjoy doing. And often they'll either choose one of those or it'll inspire some other type of play that they'll get into. So this doesn't work right away, but you set things up early on. And then initially you can only expect like 10 minutes of time that they'll be happy playing maybe, but it will, will grow over time with lots of practice. Like everything that's so important as a parent our kids need so much repetition to learn things. So that's why you're like, oh, why am I still showing them how to do this thing? It's like, well, they just really need so much repetition. But every time you're doing it helps them get closer to doing it independently later. So uh, just get started and you'll get where you want to go eventually. I love that so much, Connie. And I mean, that's really, you know, let's talk about this next tip, which I, you just sort of alluded to a bit, but staying with your child in within their view and letting them know that you're close by. I know, for instance, the way that we've set up my home is that my I'm in my kitchen right now and our, we do have a lot of toys. And I have to say, even though we have a playroom in the basement, which is obviously a huge privilege to have a basement that's totally dedicated to this place of play, we really don't spend so much time there playing because this is where it happens. Life is happening in our kitchen on the main floor and this is where they want to be. Why does a parent being in the eye line of their kids really matter? Well, it's kind of all about my entire business too, is that our kids love to be with us. They are programmed to be near us and to adore us and to want to spend time with us. So it, 
you're just setting them up for the most success if they're able to still be near you and see you. So um, that's so often the case when I'm working house and people say, okay, here are, here's our playroom in the basement where all the toys are. It's like, okay, that's so cool, but it's only going to work if you're going to hang out down there together with your kid. And it, even my girls at 10 and seven, it's very recent that they're willing to just go play in the basement on their own. Um, but it was mainly on our main floor up until then too, but it works out great with your basement space. You can rotate favorite toys up from the basement to the, the main floor space. And kids are just more relaxed when they have their parents around and can see them nearby. So um, that main floor play space, and it can be like, even in your place, it was a simple, small six cube shelf. That's it. That it looks so small. And it holds so much. You have a whole bin of blocks, a whole bin of like toy characters, a whole bin of dress up clothes if you want. And then the small other toy cars and another shelf on the top, like it can hold so much. And um, that's another thing too, is just understanding you don't need a lot of things. And when it's overwhelming for us to have stuff everywhere, it is for the kids too. And uh, that's why you want to try to have it all uh, set up in a way that makes sense and everyone can see it and know what they can pick from. I love that, Connie. I, I know I find myself, we are a little bit of in a toy overwhelm. I'm going to, I find myself constantly calling the toys, but let's talk about what goes on those shelves. Let's talk about high quality toys, what we want to put there. What is sort of the tip of the iceberg when you're telling parents and guiding folks who are raising kids of any nature, when we're setting up those six cubes, what are like the primary pieces? We talked about an art space and a, and a drama space, which I think is awesome. Let's talk about toy, toy quality. And, and what are we actually putting in those buckets? Cause to me, that was an aha moment when you schooled me two years ago. And I still think about it often. Nice. So I kind of think of all the different learning centers within a kindergarten classroom and we have our building center. So you've, you want some type of blocks that the kids work with and like Legos, one of my, uh, the Duplo, sorry, is Lego brand, but the larger blocks, Duplo is one of my favorites because it covers like all of the building toys and then it also comes with characters. So you're using imaginary play within that. Um, and then, yeah, we said whole drama center, but within that cube, you could just have your bin of drama toys. So that's like, we've got the tea set so that you can set that up on the coffee table to play tea party or pretend you're a coffee shop and uh, the, the doctor's kit so that you can play doctor or veterinarian um, and then one of dad's favorite hats and another parent's favorite scarf or just a couple little items that kids can put on and dress up. So there's ways that you have dramatic play happening without like the giant space. Um, and then, like we said, the art materials, that's as simple as a caddy that has the markers and crayons and basic caddy. supplies. If you're not following <laughs> Connie, which we'll, we'll send you to her Instagram later, but you got to see you got to see the caddies because she got me into the caddy and it's my kids right now are really just into pencils, like the straight up yellow B12, whatever is like B1 or A1 pencils. I don't know why they all want the pencils. Um, and that's what's in our caddy. So if you, the caddy matters, which is so ridiculous, it's not a huge financial piece. Um, so yeah, I just yeah. wanted to make a point that you taught me about the caddy too. Nice. And it's, it's just like, so often people's art supplies are maybe in a cupboard and like, it's a thing to pull out the art supplies, but you want to just have a cup of pencils and a blank paper just sitting out all the time that kids pick them up. And that's a kindergarten strategy too. We want to encourage kids to be writing and holding pencils and practicing that grip. 
And so you just make it super easy for your kid to be able to just pick it up. Like they see it there and it might inspire something just by physically being in their view. So yeah, get some basic art supplies there. And, um, the, like your kids' favorite things, if it's the trains or the cars, or there's a small bin, you don't need 40 of them, right? You can have like a selection of 10 that are your favorites. Um, so we just think of all those different areas that we're offering some uh, uh, different types of play. I love that. Um, okay, let's go to your next tip, which I think also um, we just sort of discussed a bit, but help your child think of a few options for the play if they need some inspiration to get started, remind them of the three of their favorite toys or activities. That's a great one. Yeah. And then, so it's just like the point we said earlier that you're just, sometimes kids might need a few ideas to get started and you just support them with coming up with those ideas. And then it turns into something new once they get into it and they just feel like you have your support too. Right. So we want our kids to be super independent, but we support them as much as they need to get there. So if your child's asking you for help with something, they just know that you're there to help and you give them a couple things and then they learn, okay, they're there to give me a couple ideas, but they're not going to fully help me make it happen. So it's just practicing that. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I kept going back to this one piece that you, it was so formative to me, honestly, Connie, I think you're so brilliant, but um, I remember you saying that, like, just offer them something. And I remember the thing that I offered probably for the first 13 months of the pandemic was to use building blocks, just straight up alphabet blocks to make a parking garage for my kids' cars. And it was that making, so he would literally take the blocks and make a parking garage, but it was me just saying, let's make a parking garage. And that would last for a good, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day of building different configurations of parking garages. And then I would show him different ways to build structure right like and to architect different ways and then he was sort of doing that on his own so now we're like two years from there he's five years old and he does that now automatically he's constantly building you know housing facilities for his play toys right but it was from that one suggestion that we really drilled down and now he does it you know as you say automatically just part of his independent play I love that so much has to practice it Mm -hmm. um and we sort of we we addressed this a bit but organize the play space this is your final tip of, of this um, particular conversation, but organize the play space so all your toys and art materials are easy for your child to see and reach on their own. Give each bin or item a home so they can find it and then put it away. Let's talk about putting it away. Why don't you teach us about how to put away? Yeah, it's it's the same lesson, unfortunately, that it takes time and lots of practice. So uh, the cool thing about kids, once they start daycare or school, you know that they have to be practicing at school. That's something that's part of the routine is people play with things and then they put them away. And um, in the home, I always recommend that you're modeling it a lot, like the way we teach our kids everything is showing them how to do it. So if you've come up with a system for where you're putting all your toys and what bins that they're sorted into, then you're working with your child. All right, time to clean up. Let's see how quickly we can do this together. So they know they're not 
expect to just do it on their own, especially initially. And you say, I've got the bin for the cars, grab the cars for me and throw them in. Great. And we put the bin, the car bin back on this part of the shelf. Here's the bin for your blocks. Let's all put all the blocks in the bin. So you're also just like verbalizing exactly the thinking that's happening and um, where to put things. So um, it just takes lots of practice. You can turn it into a game with things like let's play a favorite song, keep the mood light, put on a favorite song, and let's try to get it done before the song is over. And you're working together against yes. the song. So like you're the team working together quick and um, and then picking the right timing too. I think this is important because people have to notice like if your kid's yes. hungry or tired, like this isn't the time to play up, uh, right. to clean up. And I don't, and I want it to always like it's something that has to be done, but I don't want it to be painful because I want you to be happy to play with your toys and not dreading having to clean them up later. Yes, so yes. Um, it has to happen. My kids need to be responsible, but I can also pick the right timing to make sure that it's not a battle when it needs to be done. I love that, Connie. And I think, you know, the timing piece is important. And what really sort of was aha moment in what you just said for me was that moment where you realize like if you are overwhelmed in clutter in your life um think about your kids response to clutter and i often find you know um over the past of the last year we we do have some uh, i do have a nanny she does help us manage our household but so much of the pandemic she has been unavailable or we just haven't had that extra support and picking up after three kids and maintaining a household of our nature is sometimes really challenging and i find Often when we don't have additional support to keep the house under wraps, we do get into like a very messy house. And I say that very open and honestly, because I'm very transparent, but my point is that my kids will remark often. They notice right away, like mom, the house is a mess. or the house is so clean. And we have sort of made chore play also part of our um, lifestyle. Um, So, you know, my kids are definitely, where's the broom? Where's the mop? You know, I gave them each a squirt bottle with just like a little bit of literally soap and water. And it came down yesterday and they literally were cleaned the entire floor, my three-year-old and my five-year-old. And they were cleaning every (laughs) surface of the house. Um, And my daughter particularly, I don't know why, I don't think that's like a gendered thing, but she's particularly very interested in this. And now a word from our mom, Halo podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Kids and Company is Canada's leading provider of childcare with over 100 locations across the country and in the United States. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. And with 20 years of experience in the childcare space comes a ton of innovation in how they cater to their families. They have in-classroom webcams, an app that provides daily updates for parents, a from-scratch menu, and wonderful high-quality educators. These are just a few of the amazing things about Kids and Company. My daughter attends one of their centers and I can vouch for how incredible they are, far beyond others we've attended. They're offering families who register and start care by July 31st, 2022, a waived registration fee. That applies to new registrations only. Call their team at one eight zero zero my co and use the code MOMHALO to register for this offer. You won't regret it. 
Still dealing with leaky diapers? It's time to try Rascal and Friends. Designed with you and your little one in mind, Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers ticks all the boxes. Affordable, safe on sensitive skin, deliciously soft and super absorbent. Plus, their unique design provides up to 12 hours of leak production to keep your baby comfy and dry day and night. Join the thousands of parents making the switch and say goodbye to leaks. Shop Roscoe and Friends Premium Diapers, Training Pants, and Sensitive Wipes at Walmart today. Let's pivot a bit. So um, I was reading an article yesterday that we're seeing a rise of um, children who are requiring early intervention for speech therapy. And I wanted your opinion on this as somebody who has, you know, such a long career in early education and now meet hundreds of families through your playroom consultancy. I know, you know, speech is also a part of this whole thing and language. In this article, it talks about how uh, there's been an increase by like 360% of speech uh, patients or speech therapy clients are kids who are quite young, like under three years old. And the article talks about that there's a direct correlation between this and, the, and COVID and the COVID lifestyle being that A, kids are not socializing or interacting with other people. So they're not getting that speech. But when they are, they're with masks. So people are not seeing mouths to form language. I just want you to sort of riff on this a bit and your experience. And do you think this is happening, why it's happening? And then also perhaps um, um, anything you want to drill down on it? Because I, I find it fascinating. Go ahead. Well, one of the reasons that this work is so important to me is for the the increase in use of screens and the problem being that any screen time is taking away from all of those other activities that are needed for child development. And it's eye contact, conversation, um, having those personal connections. So it's also like with the pandemic all of these extra things are creating those conflicts for kids not getting all of the interactions and development bonuses that they need. So um, I'm not the specialist in speech and language, but just knowing how important these things are, I feel like parents just can do so much. I want parents to feel empowered when I work with them. Like, I don't want any guilt. It's not like you're not doing enough and, oh, you shouldn't be doing screen time. But it's about you have the ability to give a human the best early learning opportunities and form connections with each other that are going to make them happier adults in the future just from laying this amazing foundation of the play and quality family time together and it works now too with making sure we're giving our kids that full attention we're singing to them we're reading nursery rhymes we're making lots of expression in their face because the problem too with the speech is that all these parents are working and stressed out and tired. So sure, the play dates aren't happening, but our kids can get so much just within the home with interactions as a family. So I think it's not just that there aren't play dates happening because there's so many, we have like the pioneers had their group of five that 
weren't interacting with lots of other people, like a, a family unit that has the time and space and energy to focus on each other and have those conversations and um, just full attention on each other can give them all the language skills that they need. So the hardest part, though, is that the pressures are it's the society we're in, that everyone's working and workplaces put so much stress on the importance of the job that the family is getting left behind. And if there's anything in your power to be able to really focus on giving your kids that full attention when you can, that it's, you're doing so much for them by being able to read that book together, sing those songs, have your face on their face and other distractions away. So there's lots you can do on your own. The trouble is the society that we're in that makes it so hard to be able to do that. I agree, Connie. I'm I am so guilty of this. I am a a multitasker from you know when, 12 years ago. I was on MS, I was on ICQ with the laptop open and my TV on. I come from a place where like I do multi-screen, right? Like that's just part of what I do. Henry, he's eating a hot dog. That's cut in a way that I don't like. Henry, come here. Can I have it, please? Henry, <laughs> come here, buddy. Um, I'm, I'm really obsessed with keeping my kids, um, happy. I mean, obviously I'm a parent, um, but this year more than ever, I found like maybe my focus was everywhere and my focus was survival. Like it was, how do I keep my business alive? How do we keep our, our mortgage paid, you know, with our business model slipping so much. And then obviously I had a huge personally, um, medical challenges with having to become a medicalized family very quickly this year. Um, but this, since, since literally in the last few months, I've had an aha moment where like my only priority is my kids' happiness. Like, I just want to keep them happy. Like, okay. So we're sort of like uh, not living our best life ever. Right. We are, but we are okay. Like we're fine. We're totally fine at the end of this. If I'm saying I'm fine, like other people we're fine, you know, it's crap, but we're fine. And we will get through this. What I realized, though, is that my kids were suffering a bit because I was so uberly unavailable to them. And with my bigger ones, my three and five-year-old, it's such formative times that I'm trying to be so available. So, so much play. Probably, I'm really probably overdoing it a bit. Um, but I, I also love them and I like playing. I find play for me to be quite therapeutic when I can really get down with them. I know my own husband, he has a few things that he does. And I, I want to ask you about this. What we found to be um, useful for us and our family is that we're trying to play with the kids in stuff that's our personal interest. So I'll give you an example. My husband is a musician. He loves, he's a hobbyist. He does guitar and he does piano and he does violin and he does a million different instruments. Um, and one of the things he does, he does like the mix mastering of like, um, like sound beats on his computer and stuff. So anytime he brings the kids into that, they're doing something with him that they really love. This past year, my husband taught my son how to play chess and he's four and a half and can play chess, like completely <laughs> understands chess. So those moments where they are bonding together over those learning things, um, you know, for me, what I found is a, as a fun piece is that my, my five-year-old, I've been teaching him how to play card games. So um, he was always asking to play war and playing um, go fish and I couldn't stand it anymore. So I was like, son, I'm going to teach you. <laughs> blackjack he's like what's blackjack and he's great with numbers I'm like we gotta get to 21 oh, so this I is just anecdotally it. 
we were at a cottage recently. We saw with some friends. We're bubbled with this other family and we haven't spent like so much intense time with them. But the mom of this other five-year-old says, Elias, would you like to play cards? And he goes, do you want to play blackjack? And the mother <laughs> him and says, do you know how to play blackjack? She's like, he's like, yeah. And then I said, Elias, like, you know, I taught him some of the characteristics of like playing a fun game of blackjack. So he's like, he takes his hand, he slaps the table, he goes, hit me, baby, like that, right? <laughs> but he understands it's a great game and I'm super engaged with him. So he's like, mom, can we play? He has multiple decks, he understands it. So to me, those have been sort of the, the silver lining of COVID is like, those things wouldn't have happened, right? I would have dropped my kids off every Saturday at my parents' house. They would have done stuff with their grandparents. And every Sunday I'd be in an indoor play place or they'd be doing some sort of extracurricular. And what this is doing is making us hone a new skill, right? Um, and, and I'll tell you another story that I learned from you, which is about how to read to kids. Reading a book to a kid takes a certain skill set. And I'm not sure if it was you or something. I think it was you but teaching how to read a book, like how to read to a kid is a specific way. And I wanted you just to cover that for a minute because I think I saw it on your channel or whatever, but there's a way to read to like, you know, toddlers and kids, um, an actual picture book. And that I think has been uh, majorly formative of how I read to my kids. I was hoping you could touch on Yeah, for sure. Well, that's such, I feel like that's such an accessible way for kids or parents to spend time with kids too, is that reading to them. And then that's one of the most beneficial things we can be doing to support their, their learning. And um, books are so good for covering like so many topics like about emotional skills and confidence. And then that really is how Things like numbers and alphabet and concepts like color and shape, like this can all come from books too. So it really is one of the easiest things that you can do that's going to support your child's learning and vocabulary. Thinking about speech too, like reading to your kids is helping there also. Um, And it's such a great end of the day routine to read together. Um, So one of the best ways to be helping your kids understand how books work is just that you're, they're sitting with you while you're reading it and your finger can follow the print while you're reading. And you can talk about the pictures in the book too. So you're teaching them to pay attention to the illustrations and just by simply moving your finger across the words, they're learning which way, like the direction of print and where you start and that we start at the top and go down to the bottom. Um, and Simple things once your kid's getting closer to school age is like pointing out like Elias's name starts with E and this word has the E in it too. And using lots of expression when you read and pausing and letting kids talk or ask questions about it too. Like it's almost, and sometimes kids just want you to read the book and not talk about it. So you let them guide that also. It's like, no, just read the story, right? And I, I find like with us also repetition, they start to memorize the stories and then they ask for particular ones. And there is some word recognition I'm finding already with my five-year-olds and sort of sight words and stuff. Um, And um, I think it's crucial. I I really love that. And I find it to be an engaging moment. We have some books that are obviously so well-loved because they're like destroyed from so much touch. Um, And we sort of have like a few family things that we do now with certain books that we read. We're like, um, there's a book that I call that I love that I'll link up and I'll link all of this, but it's called um, The Little Blue Truck Leads the Way, uh, which is a classic. And there's one line in it that's like a really touching moment. And I say, I say it in a different way. I say, um, would you like a ride? Like I say it like that. And my kids look at each other and they say, would you like a ride? They like say it with this like 
this like such softness and they just repeat it and they think it's so funny. Um, one of the things that I actually found to be really helpful during COVID in moments where I sort of bond with my kids is laughter, like complete hysterical laughter. They love to make me laugh. I love to make them laugh. And we try to laugh over those moments. And there's Richard Scarry's books, which is the different vehicles. And the first time my son saw a banana mobile or a pickle car, like he was so hysterical. I had never seen my child's sense of humor come out in those moments where he was laughing so hard. And probably for the better part of the years, he was like two and a half to three and a half. We'd read that book every day. And every day it was like a laughing therapy moment for us where we would just pickle car. <laughs> and we'd like have this extreme belly laugh. And I find now like, he looks for those moments of laughter. Talk about laugh. Can you talk about that a bit? I'd love to hear your ideas on that. Well, it certainly feels so good, right? And the bonding that's going on in there and everybody laughing together. And it's just, yeah, finding those opportunities to be silly as parents. And our kids just love to see us be goofy for sure. Um, and even things like running around the house together or one of the our favorite activities was we just called it family fight, but it was like throwing the kids on the bed and jumping yes. like the, the, the physical play wrestling too. And that's one that some people like, just like you said, what are your interests? How do you like to play? Like if you're a physical person, like kids love to be that physical play too, that it's just simply like wrestling each other on the bed and, um, and usually everyone's laughing about it. So finding simple ways to laugh together is just amazing. I love that so much, Connie. I think it's super crucial that parents don't necessarily have an arsenal of play. And I think also play is very gendered in my family. Like the way that my husband plays with our kids is very much different than how I play with my kids. And I find like we're trying to get there, but like um, they are very, like my husband's pretty rough with them and like has those like, I want to call them as like those high energy moments where like the steam is coming off at the end of the night and the kids are all jumping. So our new thing is that we do a hundred jumping jacks at the end of every day. We do exercise nice. and we count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, until 10. And then we do another 20, 30, 40. And the kids love it. And they're like breathless, but that's his activity on the bed. Everyone jumping right before bath or right after bath, just to get like the complete tank empty. <clears throat> it also helps them poo by the way. Uh, just so many like, benefits so many benefits of the of the, of the rough play you're um, counting there oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> yeah there's there's so many things that are happening that are productive so I think you know the any tips and tools and tricks that are really really you know there's the playroom consultancy there's the value of play and then the toys let's we didn't really get a chance to get into this but are there toys that have different like let's say if like we were to give values of a five-star rating what would be like your top three toys in terms of what are we looking for um, yeah. when we're trying to fill our home or our play space with toys. Yeah. Because when you walk into a toy store, there is so much stuff and some of it makes me angry that you're allowed to even market it to parents because like anything that's lighting up and requires batteries is usually like not going to be the best toy because it's doing everything for your kid. So we talk about, um, 
like simple toys lead to complex play because your kid has to actually come up with all the ideas and uh, decide and make the toy do things. Whereas like the complex toy with lots of lights and sounds, and that's going to have very simple play because your kid's just kind of sitting there looking at it. So um, you see the package and it's talking about, oh, it's so good for learning letters and numbers and stimulation, stimulating all these things. Right. But it's like, well, your kid is better off just with that doll that sits there and the child has to look after and imagine what it's doing. And so that's one really big piece of advice is just like, go with the simple toys that aren't lighting up, don't need the batteries, right? Um, yes, I and- love that advice. I hate battery <laughs> everything. It's so annoying. So I love it. Uh, and then... Um, When you're thinking of all those different learning areas that we talked about later, like you only need one building toy. Like I mentioned, the Duplo is a favorite because you can do something different with it every time. Plus it has the characters in it, but the simple wooden blocks are so good. And then like you mentioned, it's just having those couple of prompts that encourage like a mix of play and also give kids great ideas. So it was like, yeah, build it. You know, your kid loves cars and you want to encourage more buildings. So you're saying, can you build the garage for your cars? Or can you build an apartment for your Paw Patrol characters, right? Like thinking of simple things that take something they're interested in, but then extend the play that they're doing with them. Um, So the the magnetiles are really popular right now. And most kids really love having the magnetiles. Connie, do you have an Amazon store or something where you link all this stuff? Well, I just... I, I do have a blog post that's called best toy for kids. So do check that out. Cause that's kind of covered so much. Of what I know, but I are you making today. an affiliate kickback on everything? And I selling. did, that's I my did question. just, yeah, I did just sign up on that link. I feel funny about it, but uh, we're going to give it a try. <laughs> don't feel, <laughs> don't feel funny. Link it up, girl. <laughs> so that is there on my blog, best toy for kids. And you'll see all of those with links to examples. I love that so much. Connie, if somebody wants to find you and all of your wisdom, where can they find you? Tell us where you are at. You can just go straight to the website, ConnieHewson.com and Hewson's H-U-S-O-N. And then from there, you can find links to my Facebook and Instagram um, and Instagram's Connie underscore Hewson. And don't just follow, but actually go through and read every, yes. like all of the things that are there. I have so much stuff that's just on the grid. If you're looking for more inspiration, just go through. It's all been posted there. Check out a few blog posts that are on the website and uh, my contacts there to reach out. I do virtual consultations, which actually work amazing. And I never expected. Thank you, pandemic, for making that happen. <laughs> Jeez Louise. And uh, in the greater Toronto area. I work in home. And then I also have courses and workshops, including uh, setting up your playroom and uh, starting kindergarten. I love that so much. Honestly, guys, um, Connie, I'm going to ask you if there's one piece of advice, if people hear nothing else today, what is the one thing you want them to leave knowing? Go for it. That you are amazing parents just by giving your kids time and space and materials for play and prioritizing that and spending time as a family to really develop that bond with your child that's going to turn them into happy kids that become adults that make the world a better place. 
That is so meaningful, Connie. I think you are completely fabulous. I'm so excited that you're a scholar. Guys, you're going to get to see Connie all sorts of places this year. We love her so much. She is a scholar and resident as part of the Mom Halo um, experience. Connie, you're you're so special. I just love everything about you. I think you're just the bomb, um, dot com. And uh, I can't wait to see more from you. If you are not linking all of the shit, the Duplo and the, <laughs> you should have a full Amazon store. Yes, thank you. And you, you. have to make kickbacks. And don't feel bad about that because I want to link that in these show notes, babe. Like we should definitely okay. have you make because you are such a good ambassador because people are buying that stuff for sure. Um, yeah, I know I am as a result of you telling me to do so. So, um, guys. Go to Connie's Amazon store, which will be set up by the time this podcast is ready. And we will link all of her Instagrams and socials and her website and everything there. Awesome. And uh, please read the show notes for more. Thank you so much, Connie. I think you're completely fabulous. I hope you have a wonderful day. Oh, and I have to run. Well, the feeling is mutual, Anna. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new sick kids designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.